tend to categorize sin. And by doing that, we alienate people. And so I think that there's a way to find a balance. Mm -hmm. If you want to hard enough, you can find a a healthy, balanced way to approach a situation that shows love and care. Mm -hmm. But yet also you can say, this is what I believe and what I stand Mm -hmm. on. My name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we've got Anthony Dorse. So, yo. Hey, what's up? <laughs> we have Pastor Jared, the lead hey pastor here at Higher Vision. And uh, yeah, this is the table, and basically, we've been in this series called Shift. Uh, pastor Jared's been preaching on the idea of how do you stand on God's Word in a shifting culture. And with that, we've gotten some questions in, and we wanted to take a moment and just have a discussion. We're going to kind of navigate through some of these conversations and talk about it in a more long-form format. But before we get that get to that point, um, have you guys addressed the white horse in this room? Because <laughs> if you're not listening, or if you're only listening, you don't see it. There's this horse right here. Out. He's got headphones on, and I think uh, I'm going to call him Freddie, right? No, Freddie. Mr. Ed, is Mr. It? Ed, that's so much better. Eddie. Mr. Ed is the guy. <laughs> Mr. Ed, is that a talking TV horse. show? I think yes. it was a TV show, yeah. The Talking mm-hmm. Horse. Yes. Uh, this is... Yeah. Speaking of media, okay, let's just go here for a moment. Do you guys have Movie Pass? Have you done this? I, done I've this? heard about it, but I heard that uh, it's dwindling. It's harder to get now. Yeah, have to do okay, let me get started. Get let me just start here for a moment. The movie Pass. <laughs> You're passionate about this. Oh I see. my gosh, Movie Pass. Uh, so I'm gonna have to control my temper for a moment. But I got this thing. It started off great. So it was like you pay ten bucks a month, you get unlimited movies. Mm. Wow, that sounds awesome. So I paid a year. Yeah, like like a. Whatever I am, but yeah, I'll pay for a year up front. That's great. They keep changing it, and now it's like you can only go to a movie at 11 p.m. at night. You can't see these movies in the beginning. You can only see like one movie a month. They literally have robbed from me and are refusing to pay me back. <laughs> this is my soapbox moment about movie pass that I'm quite frustrated. So I've heard that from many people that have it. Like yeah. They loved it at the beginning. Yeah. It was awesome. I heard that they were grand, like, like the people who got it in the beginning were like, Theirs wasn't changing. It was just the new people. It's not the case anymore, man. Really? Not for me. Wow. They're just jacking me. Wow. So, uh, did you love it at first? I mean, oh, did you, yeah. like, you get to see unlimited movies. I mean, yeah, I then a, you're just paying for snacks at that point. But you, you like the snacks at they couldn't no, sustain I like that, snacks though. and movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the I, snacks are the best part of the movies. Let me ask, what is your movie snack? Everybody wants to know this. I heard you have an awesome movie snack. I do have an awesome movie snack. If you've never tried this, it's like really life changing. It's not quite like Jesus life changing, okay. but it's okay. close second. Yeah, so you get your popcorn, right. and okay. you get your soda or your icy or whatever you're going to get, but then you get milk duds. Okay. And then you take your milk duds and you pour them into the popcorn. What? So then when you take hey. a scoop of popcorn, you have a milk dud in there, you throw it in, and it's like eating caramel. Wow. <laughs> it's awesome. unbelievable. Nice. And you only paid $50 for the milk that's exactly. in the popcorn. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which I was, amazing, I was okay with with MoviePass because it was free, <laughs> but now I can't do it anymore. <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, it's amazing. delicious. You can try also the Snicker Bites, but they're not as good. Yeah. yeah. I do Raisinets. I've heard those are good too. Those but, are really but good with popcorn. They melt if the they popcorn's do. hot. They really do. Milk Duds, hang on. There's just this... 
the same thing that when you eat them, they don't change shape or size. They don't, you know, mm. just, when you go to the bathroom, they're still the same. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they're still, that's awesome. They go in one way, they come out the same. And they yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just wanted to, for you that don't know, Pastor Jarrett, has um, sometimes he can get some extreme, extreme snacks going on. Oh my so what is your favorite snack right now, oh, Pastor Jared? You know what? Um, actually, so I go through tangents. In fact, I just had a conversation with, with Randy about this. He came into the green room and I had that look on my face like, oh no, I did it again. <laughs> and um, so for a while, I'm going to tell you two. Okay. So lately what it had been was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Mm. And I was like addicted (laughs) to them to the point where this is no joke. I went through one week where I ate like, and I'm talking about just not, not a whole package, but one, you know, big Reese's cup, right? I was eating like 60 to 70 a week. Oh my gosh. Wait, the big ones? Yeah. yeah the, the normal the, size the normal ones, size not the Reese's ones, pieces? Not the little tiny ones. Oh my no. gosh. The nice yeah. size cups. Like Christmas I went, size I, I cups, was, maybe? I was so into them. And one time I went, to, it was after Easter. Yeah. You know, what happens is I get hooked during Easter because the best of all is the, the, the egg one. Oh, because yeah. they're a little thicker. You get a little bit more oh peanut my butter. Gosh. And so I got addicted to them when I was doing that. Yeah. And so then all the candies on sale after Easter. So I went to the <laughs> store one day and I, they had a box for sale uh-huh. and it was the like four in one, you know, and they had probably like, there's probably 25. A yeah. year supply of nor- any normal person. <laughs> yeah, normal person. Yes. Dude, I'd eaten four packages before I got home. <laughs> Man. That's 16 of those. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, my terrible. teeth would have started <laughs> Okay. So, but here's what I'm into now. So right now the snack that I'm totally into, and I was trying to break myself of this the okay. other day. Is the cinnamon? Um, what are they? The donuts that have the cinnamon crumbles on them. Oh, cinnamon yeah. crumb oh, donuts oh, yeah. on a like on a glazed donut, not the baked mm-hmm. ones, not the mm-hmm. old old kind. I love those, right? Mm-hmm. So, just Sunday, this past Sunday, I'm like, okay, I've got to eat better. I've been eating terrible, yeah. and so I get to church. I come walking in, and John Ellsworth is there, and he's he's like, hey, Pastor, how are you? I'm seeing kind of usually one of the the safety team will meet me out in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's this guy named Norm, and uh, so John's walking in. And he's like, hey, is there anything you want from the cafe or, or you know a donut or something like that? I'm like, well, if they have any cinnamon crumbs, I I, I probably shouldn't eat any. But, <laughs> and then I made this statement. I said, but unfortunately. The bakery here never sends cinnamon crumb donuts. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, it was crazy. It was last week, Norm, one of our safety team, he drove to the store and got me a cinnamon wow. crumb donut and came back and brought it. And I was yeah. trying to eat good that week too, but I felt guilty. I'm like, I just have to eat this. It wouldn't be fair to Norm yeah. Yeah. if I didn't eat it. Of course. It. Right? People so I, right I tell John the story. We laughed about it or whatever. And so I went in and so I'm, I'm getting ready for the sermon and kind of preparing and mm-hmm. the door knocks on the green room. And I open it, and it's John. He says, hey, John. John said, hey, Pastor, I got something for you. And he walks in, and he hands me a bag of four cinnamon crumb donuts. That's awesome. All of them were gone before the service started. That's awesome. (laughs) We're going to get a lifetime supply of cinnamon crumb donuts after this comes up. Oh, man. They're so good. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying not to eat them now. That's my latest one. I get get into tangents, and then I, you know, for a while it was oatmeal cream pies. Uh And And the tangents go both ways. He goes into like these tangents of having really good, eating really good, almost eating like nothing. Well, you got to do that so you could eat. Yeah. yeah, How can you eat 70... Um, you know, Reese's cups and then not eat healthy for the next two weeks. Well, we, so at higher vision every week we put donuts out, right. For the, mm-hmm. for everyone to eat. 
and we cut them in half. And mm-hmm. so because they're a half donut, you're like, oh, it's not, you don't even count it. You put eight of those things, bad boys in your head. You've eaten like seven donuts before you even know it. You just walk away from the day just depressed about life. Especially you if you hang around a hobby. Donuts? Well, no wonder we have to get 14 yeah, or 15 <laughs> dozen donuts every week. That's awesome. Uh, basically, what we're doing is we're sitting around a table, for those of you who aren't watching, and uh, we're discussing topics. Pastor Jared's been in an incredible series, Knocking It Out of the Park, yes. in my opinion, uh, where we've been talking about uh, how do we stand on God's word in a culture that shifts away from him. Mm-hmm. And I know for me... Man, it's been really even challenging myself and how I approach people and how I have conversation. And um, man, there's just been some great key moments in this, Pastor Jared. But I love one of the things that you've said of just, well, I would say I love where it leads to, but where we're at now in a culture is you mentioned something along the lines of, you know, we don't know how to talk anymore. And if you disagree with somebody, it's not just that I disagree with you. It's almost to the point if I hate you mm-hmm. and I want you to die. <laughs> even yep, and yeah. and that resonated a lot with me when I heard that. And I just think we're at that point in our culture, you know, where, and we need to figure out how to get past that. And, um, Anthony, and I've had some discussions on just, we look to the world, but we see the church, um, as really one of the strongest answers in this, because we have every race, every background, every denomination, whatever, whatever you were born with, whatever you have grown up with in your life, we're talking in the church, but in the world, We've almost missed that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, here's a question that I've been pondering. So we're talking about, you know, there are things that as Christians, we have to take strong stances on. Like there's no getting around it. There's certain things that are pretty black and white in the Bible. Um, Jesus being savior, this would be, you know, he is our way to find peace with God again. He is, he is the one true God. The, you know, abortion would be one of those to me that I feel like we either are it's a black and white. There are questions that come along with it, but we have to stand on being pro-life. There's a lot of things that as church people, we have really taken dipped into to try to make black and white that now we can look in the past and see, yeah, that was kind of just a more that shouldn't, that stance shouldn't have been taken example. I mean, this sounds silly for us now, but like tattoos, like 30 years ago, it's like you have a tattoo in the church and get out. That's, you know, mm-hmm. and you would cite scripture and da, 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 da. There's stuff like that now. I mean, and one of them, even in California, is marijuana. Like, that's the tough one where it's like in scripture, there's not a black and white thing on this, but there's personal conviction. There's, there's obviously conversations of substance, addiction, where it leads you to, um, where that ends. But do you feel like one of the questions I ponder is do we as, as a church take stances on things that is not really our authority to take a stance on? from a scriptural point of view. And because of that, we lose our voice on the things that really we do have to take the stance on. And now it's just the, you know, you get, you start to dip into the church is just against everything, da, 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 because they've, we've taken so many stances on things that now we can look back and say, really, ultimately that wasn't in there, but it was more something that we're, you know, and the, and the, the marijuana thing is a tough one right now because that is a culture that's, you know, it's been illegal. Now it is legal in California. Mm-hmm. And so, it is a shifting culture to where it's open. And I've, you know, there's some people that use it because they find a piece to it, but then a conversation is difficult to have there because you could use Advil. You could use any of these prescribed medicines to help with that. So, I mean, there's, I guess the question in that all is, are we taking too many stances on things? And should we as a church just be 
in the idea of love and grace, these are the issues that we know we have to stand on, but the rest of this is more about your freedom, how freedom can be abused, how freedom may be taken away if you abuse it, and your right to an individual to make your choice, you know? I think that's a good, I mean, it's a good point. Is um, I don't know, as a question necessarily, unwrapping that, I think the, the reality is that sometimes the church does wade into things that maybe they ought to allow to be people working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, where Paul says, if someone, you know, eats meat offered to idols and it, and it doesn't bother them, you know, then, you know, you need to not... You know, don't argue about what day of the week you're supposed to go to church. Don't argue about... Sometimes we do end up arguing on little... Not little, not to make these seem trivial, but... The minor, yeah. Smaller things. Um, So I think in general, the answer would be, yes, the church should do... Should focus on the big things. The challenge, though, with the church is it's it's not just um, people working out their own salvation. It's also you have issues of leadership. You have people involved in the church, you know, setting standards. You know, you have the issue where Jesus says if someone's a leader and they do something that leads someone else astray, it's be worse, you know, if you put a millstone around their neck and throw them into the sea. So there are issues that have to be attended to, which is, okay, if you're going to be in leadership, you know, I've used the example for me, and I know in the church, you know, much of the church today, drinking is not an issue. Um, getting drunk should be an issue because the Bible's clear about that. But, um, but as far as whether a Christian can drink or whatever, that you can interpret the scripture many different ways. The the point being is that for me, I've chosen not to because of the fact that there are so many people that are prone to alcoholism and addiction. And so I've chosen to say, I'm going to take a higher standard because I don't want to put myself in a position where I lead someone astray. So the hard part for the church is you have two issues. You have the, the congregation in general, Christians in general, working out their own, you know, salvation. What is the Holy Spirit teaching them about, you know, and convicting them of. And then you have the issue of leadership being, you know, when I look at leadership, it's not about, it's about responsibility, not my right. It's not what's my right to do what I want. It's about what am I responsible for. So sometimes we have to address and wade into those issues. But I think that can be done more behind the scenes than from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, I, I, one of the things I love about um, Hillsong, New York, I love uh, uh, the pastor there. What's his name? Um, Carl, Carl Lentz. Lentz. There you go. Um, senior moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the media, you know, in New York, they're a very visible church. And when it comes to the issue of homosexuality, right, and um, homosexual marriage and uh, that whole topic, the the media has really worked hard to try to get Carl Lentz to come out on the platform and make a clear, bold statement of this, this, and this. And his response is, um, hey, I haven't done that and I'm not going to do that because homosexuality is a very complex situation. Now we, we stand on biblical truth. Um, but as far as the, how that's exercised and how we work that through, we're going to sit down at a meal and talk it through because it's too complex to make just one statement. Mm. You can make the statement that we believe the word. We believe that, you know, uh, what the scripture teaches is, is, God's plan for humanity. But beyond that, to get into the specifics of it, 
Yeah. It's got to happen on a personal level. And so I think sometimes if the church would do a little more of that, yeah. it would take away the stereotypes because sometimes things are complicated. And so being able to talk about it on a personal level lets you work through, lets you hear someone's heart, lets you hear the counter argument, mm-hmm. lets you point out, hey, well, here's what scripture says. It lets people say, well, you can interpret it this way. And uh, sometimes those bold statements of it's this way yeah. or that way make it difficult. And so that's why sometimes you got to leave those discussions for the table mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. rather mm-hmm. than the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that I've learned is that you have to ask yourself a couple of questions when you're bringing up these things that are about complex issues and it's about health. You know, is it going to be healthier for me to say it this way and at this time? Or is it going to be healthier, you know, at the table? You know what I mean? I think um, going back to what you said, it's just um, such a better use of our time and of our influence with people to talk about it one-on-one, you know what I mean? So they can understand and know that we care and that we love for them, have love for them rather than just saying something so, you know, people will be appeased. You know what I mean? And that's, the, and that's, that's a part of us being a Christian too. Um, standing up for God is not always this black and white thing. You know, it's a complex thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes loving people and um, leaving the 99 and going after the one is a hard thing to do. But that's what we're called to as the church. And sometimes we just have to do that even if it means ridicule. You know what I mean? Even if it means people think we're thinking one way even when we're really not. You know what I mean? And I think uh, that's something that we as the church just have to learn to do. Take kind of that persecution. That's kind of the persecution we can go through here in mm-hmm. America. Um, let me say one other thing on that. It's, uh, this week I'll be preaching on the story of Daniel. And, you know, they wanted to throw him into the lion's den. And I'm kind of, I guess I'm not giving away my point because this is going to come out after the sermon's over. But one of the things I point out, obviously, is love. We need to be people who act in love. Um, and I think we can have some discussions about that. But Daniel, if you look at the story, he was thrown into the lion's den. But... Um, he, he affected his culture, but he didn't do it by telling everybody that they were a sinner, how wrong mm. they were. Um, I mentioned the word antagonistic. We can, we, we, I think people struggle to be antagonistic and influential. I don't think mm. the two go together. Mm-hmm. I think you can be influential and not have to be antagonistic. Yeah. And so what happened with him is, is they saw... And, and kind of the points of the message this weekend were simply this, and that is that if you want to fit culture, um, the first thing is serve your culture. And that's what Daniel did. He served. He served the king. Whatever he was put over, he did it well. And they came after him. They didn't like it. They were jealous of him. And what they ended up doing is they literally tried to find anything they could find to take him down. And the Bible says they found nothing. Mm-hmm. When they looked at his loyalty, his faithfulness, his work ethic, there was no corruption found in him. And so I think the first thing is, is if we'll serve people, honestly, if you've got someone in your life that's on the other side of, of a major issue, I think the greatest way mm. to influence them is not to post your argument to them or even sit down and debate them. I would suggest start by serving them. Mm. You know, when they're sick, bring them food. Yeah. Um, when, and their kids are, you know, they're busy, offer to take their kids in the carpool to school. You serve people, 
and it'll open up an access way for conversation because now they know it's that thing. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When they know you care, they'll listen to you. Yeah, sure. So I think the best way is serve. And that's what, that's the, the first point of the message this weekend was serve your culture. The second one is be an example or set an example in your culture. And David set an example. I mean, they looked at him and there was nothing to see that was And the problem. What we've got is people are trying to influence everybody and talk about Jesus, but they show up to work late all the time. Mm. They don't get their job done. Mm. They, you know, they freeload off people or they're talking negative and smack about people or they're, they're not being an example. And so Daniel, he affected his culture because he set the example. And I think that we can have a voice um, by being an example in how we treat other people, in how we serve. And then the last thing is, you know, share your story to culture. Because da- Daniel, they finally still did it anyway. And if you notice, Daniel didn't, Daniel didn't go to the king and, and protest and whatever. When he found out what the new law was, which is if anybody prays and it's to someone besides the king, they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And what did he do? The Bible says that he went home. And at his normal appointed time, he got on his knees and he prayed. And you know what's interesting? The men who were after him, they were waiting there for him because they knew that's what he was going to do. Mm. Question is, do people know that we're going to do the right thing, do the God thing, so good. do the good thing, so much to the point that they're waiting for us to do the good thing? Yeah. And what ends up happening is um, he gets thrown in the lion's den. And sometimes we are going to be persecuted for doing the right thing. Sometimes we're going to be persecuted for standing up and saying something that's not popular to say, you know, um, I just recently, we talked about the homosexual issue or the transgender issue. And I mentioned some things out of scripture and kind of talked a little bit. Sometimes we will be persecuted, but here's what's cool. The King shows up the next day, by the way, the King did not want him to go into the lion's den because the King cared about him because he knew what kind of person he was. And that's the thing. People at a distance, don't see someone's heart. Mm-hmm. It's easy to want to take people out. Yeah. But when you know someone, the, the king knew Daniel. He knew his heart. He knew his, his hard work. He knew his, his dependability, his loyalty. And he didn't want to throw him in. He tried to figure out a way to not throw him in, but he had to. Yeah. And then when he did, um, he was the first one there waiting to see if he was alive. And he said, are you in there? And then what did Daniel do? He said, you know what? The, the God of my father showed up and stopped the mouth of the lions. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is he told his story. He told his testimony. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think, our greatest thing is we can tell our story, our testimony. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned the homosexual thing and the whole transgender. Um, I mean, I, I've, I, I, to that point, I feel like that's the community that we've really, as a church, have done a disservice to in a sense, not in the sense of, you know, obviously these are, these are things that are pretty clear in the Bible that we have to stand for truth, but we have outcast an entire type of, or an entire people that are trying to figure this out and have mm-hmm. questions just like anybody else in the world. And they're trying to figure out who they are, their identity and all this. And I think that because we've pushed as a church in the past so hard, we've missed the open arms of where you're saying, okay, this is great. People have, or not great, but these is people, people who have different views and opinions than you. Can you serve them? Can you love them? Which really comes down to that idea of it is our job to love everybody and our job to be that person for them so that when the moment comes to talk about God and when the moment comes to talk about what scripture says, we have that place in their life because they know 
that we're for them as a person and we're for the best for their life and we're for them, you know, ultimately finding God's vision for their life. And they know that to their deepest core. And we've decided to kind of bypass that a lot and just go straight to the issue at hand. And so I, that's great. I love what you're saying. It's just, you have to get to the point of, you know, serve and be there. And it sounds a lot like what Jesus did. He didn't walk around calling people sinners or doing that. He just, he washed people's feet. He actually stood up for the sinners, you know, for the, those who persecuted them. He went, what I loved is he went into the home of sinners and yeah. he was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, you know, going back to the homosexual issue, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me, which was really freeing for me. Mm. Maybe if you're out there listening, um, you know, first of all, homosexuality, the sin of home, uh, the acting out of the, of sexual, of, of homosexuality is, is a sin. It's interesting. It's not in the top seven sins that God hates the most. Mm-hmm. There's a passage in the, the Old Testament where it says, these are the seven things that God hates. What's not listed in there is homosexuality. Now, let me say that God hates all sin. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he likes it and that he approves of it. We know the Bible teaches that living a homosexual lifestyle is not, not God's way for us. It's not God's plan. But sometimes the reason I point that, point that out is that what's happened in the church is we've made that the biggest one. Yeah. We yep. made that one the worst one um, people have. And so now people struggle with loving because they see this horrific thing, not realizing that a sin is a sin, you know. Now, obviously, some sins have greater consequences on us emotionally, physically, and, and all of that. But still, sin is sin. And if you tell a white lie, that's a sin, too. The same, yep. And yep. if you cheat on your taxes, yep. that's a sin, too. Yeah. And so what's happened in the church is we've kind of um, made this list and we put weights to them. And in the homosexual community, we've made that one the big one. And in every other area, we've said this. We've said, um, come, hear about Jesus, and let him change you. But in the homosexual community, we've subtly or not so subtly said, change, and then you can come. Yeah. And... I, I had had, there were some people that were in my life at one point that were homosexual. And I, I knew that the conversation was going to come about, well, wait a minute, we're homosexual. What do you think? And, you know, and, and these people believed in God and, and so on. And they believed that it was okay to live a homosexual lifestyle, that God accepted that if, you know, if you were monogamous and, and that yeah. kind of thing, which, you know, for a lot of people, they don't realize that there's a whole segment of of or a part of the Christian community that have embraced the homosexual lifestyle. And the way they've done that is to interpret Paul's words um, to mean that it's uh, a relationship that's not in marriage. And that's why the homosexual community pushed so hard with gay marriage is so that now it could be a legal marriage. Therefore, according to the scripture, if you're in a monogamous relationship married, um, it's not a sin. And so they try to kind of reinterpret the passage there, in my opinion. They reinterpret the, the word there in the Greek that Paul talks about. They try to also de-emphasize the value of Paul's words compared to Christ's words, since Christ doesn't specifically speak about it. Therefore, and yeah. Paul's not, you know, there's a whole... Star Senecotai. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a whole kind yeah. of philosophy to kind of work around what the Bible says. Yeah. And, um, but that being said, I was... I was kind of in the situation where I had this relationship and, and I was waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And at times I was struggling 
because I wanted to be in a good relationship with these people because um, I love them. They're people. And, and, but I was waiting for the, okay, well, where do you stand? You know, why can't I, you know, why, why is it, you know, the whole thing. And then one day after really struggling with it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was in a service and I was worshiping and I was thinking about it. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and here's what God said. He said, why are you taking responsibility for something? He said this, why are you worried about something that you're not responsible for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, well, wait a minute. It's not my responsibility to change their heart. It's yeah. not my responsibility to help them see what the Bible says is the best way. Yeah. Yeah. It's my responsibility to love yeah. and it's God's responsibility so to change yeah. them. Yeah. And suddenly when that happened, man, yeah. there was such a love that filled me for for this particular um, um, group because now I didn't feel the pressure. Yeah. I could just do what I can do, which is love somebody. Yeah. And I think if we, we would approach all of these tough issues that way, yeah. why are you nervous? Why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Why are you mm. afraid and taking ownership of something you're not responsible for? Yeah. It's not our job to transform people. It's the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. God's job. Yeah. It's our job to love them. Yeah. And yeah. so how we can develop the ability to do that practically, I think, is key in seeing a transformed culture. I heard somebody say it, the same idea in this way, that we're, um, we're to be involved in people's lives, but we aren't to interfere. We actually don't have the authority to interfere with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if we start to interfere with that, we can really mess up what God's work has done because now man's word is taking precedent over God's word. And the people, all of us, I know me included, every single person, I have to find God for myself. I have to let his words hit my heart intrinsically without any person because at the end of the day, it's just me and God there. There's no, and so when I start, I've really had to retrain some of my thinking because I, there have been times where I've interfered with what the Holy Spirit was doing because I wanted it quicker because <laughs> I saw God doing work, and, but it wasn't quick enough because of whatever I had the pressure of that for some reason. And so taking the hands off and saying, this God, this is God's child. Like, and I'm here to be involved. I'm here to let you know, I got your back. I love you. I'm here to point you to God's word. And if anything ever happens, I'm here for you. I mean, I guess that, that is ultimately to me how you stand on God's word in a shifting culture where culture can do whatever it wants. I'm still going to be here with open arms for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to show God's love for you. And if you, hopefully through that, I gain some influence to help show you this love that I've found and why, you know, how you can have a life of purpose and joy and all that, you know? Um, I wanted to ask you a question. I, I think what you said is so good. Um, I, you know, I have friends who are like family who are, you know, uh, living a homosexual lifestyle. And, um, and I always come back to thinking, you know, you know, I grew up in that old school Pentecostal, you know, you know, fire and brimstone type of, type of preaching. But I always, you know, hear the scripture saying, you know, you, you got to tell people what's right. Mm-hmm. You have to let them know what's right and wrong. And I, and I found out that yeah, I do need to lead with love. I can't always lead with the truth. I need to lead with love so people know that um, I love them and they can give me influence to tell them the truth. But um, with, for that Christian who has that friend, that brother or sister, whatever, whoever they are, who is dealing with that issue and dealing with that life issue and you want to tell them the truth, um, and it's burning inside you for you to tell them the truth. How do you tell them the truth 
in love? And how do you walk with them in life and just, you know, and love them like we all just said, but also tell them the truth? Because I think that's part of yeah. love is telling people the truth. Yeah, I think, I think that one thing I'm learning even later in life is the importance of addressing the elephant or the horse in the room. The white horse. <laughs> the white horse. The white horse. Yeah, horse in this room. Again, for those just joining us. Um, I think it's okay. First of all, I think the best scenario is if they invite you to tell them. Yeah. Versus you push it on them. Mm-hmm. But if you build a good enough relationship with them and they know you love them, they probably will invite you. Yeah. yeah. Now, if at some point they don't invite you and you just feel it like you need to, then I think you do it, but you're just honest, you know, and you say, hey, listen, I want you to know I love you. And no matter what choice you make, you're going to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And no matter what lifestyle you live, you know, you're in our family, you're part of our lives. But yeah. because I care about you, I want you to know this is what the Bible says about this. And here's, I believe why, because God has something I think better for you Mm -hmm. than, than what you're able to experience in this lifestyle. And so I want you to know it. I want to share, I want to share it with you because I care about you that much. And, um, so I think if you approach it, but then just be honest and be truthful and, um, but the one thing I want to say, though, is sometimes we have this mindset that, you know, because there are some passages in the, wor- in the word where it says if there's, a, you know, uh, someone doing evil among you, don't, don't hang around yeah. them. You know, you know, like the guy in, in Corinth where they had to excommunicate him from the church. And, and we take that one unique situation and we kind of apply it to everything in our life. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that we're in the world. And, and, you know, we can't excommunicate ourselves from the world yeah. or we, we go live in a hut in the, you know, in the mountains and be, be all isolated and alone. So I think that a lot of times when people see, for instance, that area or another area, what they'll do is they'll segment themselves mm. from them. And, and the sad thing is, is when you do that, you're saying that I don't love you unconditionally. Yeah. And so like I've had people come to me with the question and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble <laughs> with my answer here, but I've had people come to me and say, Hey, I've got a brother who's gay. He's getting married. He wants me to come to the wedding. Hmm. Um, what do I do? I just, I'm not going to go. I can't condone that. And, um, for me personally, um, I don't see how you, you can't not go. Uh-huh. I think, I think you can say, listen, I want you to know that, I don't agree with your decision. I don't think this is the best lifestyle for you, but I care about you. And if you want me to stand there as a friend, you know, or sit there and, and the thing, I'm, I want you to know I'm not approving of what you're doing. It's back to that idea of I can accept anyone, but I don't approve of everything they do. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, listen, I accept you as a person. I accept you as my friend, whatever decisions you make, you're still going to be my friend and I'm still going to love you. I don't approve of necessarily what you're doing. Right. And what happens is, is we, we end up, making categories. What if we did that with someone who was lying? Mm, Or what Mm, if we did with that with someone who was, you know, and and so I think sometimes you, you've got to say to the world, listen, I am going to love you unconditionally. But unfortunately we, what we do is we love conditionally. Yeah. And I think if you love unconditionally, you say, listen, I'm your friend, no matter what, I don't agree. And you, you you might not, you might not want me to come because you know, it's going to be awkward for me. You're going to, you know where I stand. But if I, if me being there is important to you, then I'll be there because I love you, oh. not because I agree with you. Yeah. And I think um, I'm kind of backpedaling a little bit. There's a part of me that goes, well, you know, maybe you make, give them, tell them that, be honest with them. And maybe they say, well, you know, maybe it's better if you don't. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Or, 
But I think we just approach it too black and white. We're like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I'm not going to condone that. Well, I, I, go to, I go to places all the time where I don't condone what's going on. Yeah. But I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. My being there doesn't mean I'm condoning it. Right. And so, um, yeah. you know, I mean, think about, let's, let's change the, the table. You have a friend that left his wife for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're still his friend and he has a birthday party. Well, I'm not going to go to his birthday party because I don't agree with what you did. I'm not going to be friends with your wife because I don't agree with, you did, with what you did. Mm-hmm. We don't do that in those situations. Yeah. But we do with certain issues. And that's my point of getting back to is we tend to categorize sin. And by doing that, we alienate people. Yeah. And so I think that there's a way to find a balance. Mm-hmm. If you want to hard enough, you can find a, a, a healthy, balanced way to approach a situation that shows love and care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet also you can say, this is what I believe and what I stand mm-hmm. on. Yeah. all that I could think of when you were saying that is that, you know, Jesus having dinner with the tax collector yep. mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. but he took a lot of flack to this day. <laughs> it's yep. still known as like, these are the, you know, and for those who don't know the context, these are not tax collectors as we think now. These were viewed as like the most immoral people right. of society. Mm-hmm. And right. Jesus is sitting there having dinner with them. And it's like the flack he got for that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that he didn't, he didn't sin. It's not like he left his, where he stood on his, he is God, but where he stood on truth, he didn't change. He was able to be in that environment and still find his heart, find his conviction, find, you know, what made him, what makes him God. Um, he, he went to, La- I mean, he went to uh, Zacchaeus house yeah. and Zacchaeus leaves giving a bunch of his money away. You know, sometimes yeah. I almost wonder if our presence there can be the thing that God uses. Yeah. On another note, that's really important. What is flack? Because we've been talking about it. I've never, I don't even know flag. what it is. I don't know what flack is. Maybe that's something we need to do in our next <laughs> table. We talk about talk flag. about flack. We'll unpack that. I don't know. Maybe that's a Sean word. Flack. <laughs> I'll make an acronym for it. But, yeah. uh, well, I'm so glad you said that because you know I've just been um, having a hard time. You know, I mean, just w- with with my friends. You know, my wife's just been kind of coaching me through it like you know you got to love people you know what i mean and it just yeah. can't be the black and white thing you know you got to love people through whatever they're going through and you got to be there mm-hmm. and you got to love unconditionally and sometimes that's going to mean you know you may get you know scarred a little bit from people on the outside and say like wow you went there you know what i mean but th- that's different than like you said going there doesn't mean that you condone you know the action and it's not like you're performing the wedding either. Right. That's a totally that's different, a really different thing. And yeah. that's where kind of back to the, the voting thing, yeah. you know, I just encourage people. That's another issue I think that's important as well, because what happens is with, you know, right now there's legislature that's going through or trying to go through in California. They pulled it and they're redoing it, but basically really trying to put pastors and leaders and, and people in a position where they can't speak the truth without the threat of, of yep. uh, being, in, you know, thrown into prison or the threat of financial hardship, those kinds of things. So that's where, you know, I think sometimes when you're praying some of those things through and thinking about it, I always, when I'm looking at that issue, I was like, when it comes down to religious freedom and having the ability to preach the gospel unfettered, mm. and I know it's complicated, but who is the most likely to help make sure that happens? Yeah. Because that's the hope of the world, the gospel. And, and of course, if they outlawed the gospel tomorrow, we'd turn into China and we'd have under, underground yeah. churches. It'd still which, yeah, yeah, it'd still go. But still, if there's a way of course, to, yeah. to have the freedom, that, that's another parameter for me that I always look at as well. Hmm. Yeah, and you, you know, we have to be careful. Because we could become so 
strong on these convictions that we isolate ourselves completely. And how do you love unconditionally if you're in isolation? It's not possible. And I, you know, I, I can think of examples in my head of people who are just everything they have a strong stance on and they've lost influence. They've lost serving, lost all of that. And so we'd have to be really careful that, you know, God has called us to go make disciples, to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And if we're not, you can't be in the world and not be in the world. You you can, you can definitely be in it and not of it. That's an internal where you are in your, in your process. But, um, you, there are times where you're going to have to love people and where you're going to have to take stances and just be used to the idea as a Christian that you're going to get the flack mm-hmm. <laughs> from yep. somewhere. Yeah. And it's probably, and honestly, I think finding that balance, because it's in some terms, it's easier just to go full on into don't speak anything, don't say any truth, just accept, uh, approve, whatever, doesn't matter. It's almost easier at times to do that. Oh, and, yeah. and it's easier at times to just go, everything's wrong. Everything's mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. This is bad. Nobody's, this is we're you know, but finding that balance is difficult and you get mm-hmm. it on, you know, there's religious people that will attack and tell you you're not being strong enough. And then there's those who have no context of God and say, all that you're doing is putting in rules and regulation and you don't care. You don't have love. And so being in that center, you kind of get it on both sides and it's mm-hmm. harder to find yeah. that balance, you know? Yeah, I think um, one of the greatest things that I heard, especially from this past weekend, is that um, we don't need to stand against anything. We need to stand for Christ. You know, and I think, you know, for the church, you know, that's what we want to do. Talking about what you were were just talking about, um, what we were saying, is that we really need to, as the church, be the people who are the example to the world that says, look, no matter who you are, where you are, you know, we have something in common. And what we have in common is Jesus. You know what I mean? And we love God. You know what I mean? So uh, regardless of our differences, our political parties, what we think about a social issue, we can always come under the banner of Jesus, Jesus Christ and love one another and say, hey, regardless of how, how we disagree, we yeah. agree on this greatest thing, which is the love of God for everybody in yeah. the world. You know? Amen. I know that um, the, actually there's a question and we probably will address it at some point, which is how do you, um, when things are happening, how do you stand against things or you know the question was well if we're supposed to just stand for christ and we're not against something what about things that are happening yeah. or taking place that needs resistance what well, as a christian how do you navigate that so i think that'd be a good question yeah. to address along the way although the only comment i have is that we're at the table and there's no food ah, yeah. I thought about if that. we're at the table there should be food but, but we do have a white time. horse we do have a white horse yeah. here in the room, if you're just exciting. listening you can't see this but but yeah i mean i think that's a great a great place to start i think that we need to uh, yeah, it'd be great to dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the question being is, you know, what about things like abortion? Yeah. You know, issues of that nature. You know, as Christians, we there are times that we do need to stand against things. And so the idea of, hey, we don't stand against anything. We're standing for something. We stand for Christ is a great phrase. And, and everyone mm-hmm. goes, yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. But practically, practically, how does that yeah. live out in real life? And i kind of been tossing it around in my brain since that question came in, and, and I'll give my input on it. I think, you know, first of all, there are ways that we can stand against things, but we can do it in a way that's not antagonistic. I'm mm-hmm. going to mention this in the sermon this week, this week but um, antagonism isn't going to change anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to... Basically, the idea is that people will want a relationship with you, will want to hear what you have to say if they know you care about them. Yeah. So antagonism is never going to 
create a bridge. It's going to tear bridges down. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, there are ways politically we can stand against things. You know, um, I don't know how much good having a sign standing on the corner, you know, saying turn or burn is going to yeah. help in front of a abortion clinic um, or some kind of message that tries to make people feel horrible or guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, bottom line, a lot of complex issues. First of all, I think a good foundational principle is this. Complex issues usually are not solved by a, um, a slogan mm. on a sign That's good. or yeah. a slogan on a post. Complex issues are usually solved by two people sitting down mm. and having a conversation, trying to understand each other's perspective, trying to find common ground. And that creates an open door. And so, you know, I think if the issue of abortion, and I want to go on record, obviously, and be very clear that, you know, we believe the Bible teaches us to protect the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we don't, we don't support abortion. We need to stand against abortion. But, you know, standing on a corner with a sign isn't going to necessarily have the impact that you can do in other ways. So, for instance, an example of abortion would be, First of all, you can be proactive and you can get involved in places like the pregnancy center. Um, we have an incredible pregnancy center here in town that yeah. has saved hundreds of lives. They do it every single year. Women come in, have the opportunity to hear another perspective rather than just, hey, you know, you can go have a little quick surgery procedure and it's all over. They can understand the importance of life. They can understand there are people that are dying to adopt children mm-hmm. that don't have that opportunity. I mean, there are a lot of options. So I think one way... Um, is to get involved in something like that. Serve, volunteer, give, pray, um, be involved in the walk for life that they do. So I think that's one way that you can stand against the tide of culture that says that, you know, that's not a life. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. By getting involved in, in causes like that that are positive and, and are making a difference. So yeah. I think there's a couple things like that. Of course, there's prayer. You can stand in prayer. Um, if you want to get involved in an organization, nonprofit that maybe supports things that help um, protect, uh, you know, um, and, and the sanctity of life, you can do that as well. So I think there's mm-hmm. ways to do it without just being antagonistic with our posts, antagonistic yeah. with, um, you know, shouting. We can still stand against things, but yet also, bottom line, we're here to stand for life. We're here to stand for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think those are awesome ways to do it. We talk a lot about abortion mm. and about um, what needs to be done. And one thing I always bring up when we talk about this is, you know, um, we are talking about the rights of these babies, which is, which are so important that we protect life because we believe that life happens at conception. And we believe that God ordained that life to be here. But also um, I wanted to say that, you know, not only that life does God care about, but God cares about the life of the mother. Yep. And going back to your point about the pregnancy center, you know, I mean, that's a way we can really, as a church, get to these young ladies because we always talk about the numbers, right? Um, I don't know exactly the numbers, but the mass majority of abortions are not due to, you know, rape or, you know, yeah. medical issues, but it's basically just, hey, I made a mistake, you know what I mean? So yep. I'm going to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. So how do we, as a church and as a country, get to those young ladies and change a culture that says life doesn't matter. Well, you know what I mean? And how do we minister to those ladies and say, no, life does matter. You matter. Well, and, it, and let's change the way you're doing things. And, mm-hmm. and there's also a connotation with abortion where um, 
you know, almost like the baby is a burden and a punishment. It can, it can come mm-hmm. across, even though that's not the heart yeah. or the desire. It's almost like, well, you made your bed, so now lie in it. And this is when I think it comes back to the idea of the church being there for the widows, the orphans, the people who have, you know, that's what we are as a church is those who have made mistakes to show love and God's grace and be there and be present, be available. It takes time. It takes money. It takes energy. It takes thought conversation like this. Um, but to let people know if they're in that place that there are options and there is help and there is places, you know, if nowhere else, higher vision church, like right here, the church is the answer to that of we're here to help and to believe with you and to love you, to not show judgment. But in the same token, like it's that balance of we have to stand for the rights of the unborn because really the whole conversation comes down to me of when does life begin and we have to answer that and some people have different variances on that and I although I may disagree I think I personally gain respect if they say this is where I feel life begins and whatever week or marker point we can have a discussion and debate that scientifically of why it is and the philosophical principles but at least there's a line but i i I do struggle when it's the gray from basically conception to now it's out in life and we're just toying around with that life and putting the the rights to that baby secondary you know you know the other thing that often isn't talked about is that a lot of people who are having abortions aren't atheists Mm -hmm. they're people in the church And so it shows us why, as a church, we've got to be engaged in student ministries and Mm -hmm. youth ministry and and helping women to understand the value and the importance of of that and making wise decisions. We just this week had a prayer request from someone who is in that situation. And so I agree. It's not just that we need to think about the child. We need to think about the the mom who's carrying that life and love that person, help that person, lead that person um, towards understanding that God loves them, that God loves that child. So I think we, we as the church, there's a lot of things. So it's kind of back to that first question of, you know, standing against, standing for. Sometimes you can stand against by doing other things rather than our tip, stereotypical stand against, you know. And so I think that's, that's important. And there are ways to, to hold up a standard. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. God threw, God gave the promised land to Israel not just because he loved Israel, but if you read through the scripture, he did it because the blood of the innocent children were crying out to him hmm. in the land of the, of, the, of Canaan. Yeah. And they were, they were basically sacrificing their children. You had abortion taking place in the land of, of uh, where the Canaanites were. And that became so loud in the ears of, of God that that was the driving force to remove Canaan from the land and to bring Israel in and give it to them. Mm. And so I think it's something to be said for us to think about that when we think about that social issue. And even when it's a, it's a law now that it's legal, sometimes we can go, well, it is what it is. But I think it needs to be dear to our hearts because yeah. if we don't, no one's there to protect that child. No one's there to stand up for that life. Yeah. And so, but I do realize it's more complicated and there's bigger issues yeah. at play with candidates and things like that. Yeah, Yeah. I I just wanted to um, say something. I I realized that, you know, I'm saying what I did before about, you know, the mom, um, more of the moms being just, you know, people who, you know, decided that they just didn't want to have the child, that there's, you know, less percentage of the people who have been raped or um, 
or medical issues. Now, being that that's, you know, a smaller percentage, I don't want to just kind of push that to the yeah, side course, yeah. and just say, you know, because that percentage are, are millions of people out there. So the church has a um, responsibility to minister to those people as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to um, what you were saying about it's so complex. All these issues are so complex yeah. and we need to have balance. And that's what I love about our church is that we're, um, I love what you call it, it's the um, radical middle. You know what I mean? We're not so far left or right that we're not living a balanced life mm-hmm. at this church, you know what I mean, in the, in the community. And I think that's what we need to do throughout all of these issues is have a, have a balanced approach to both of them. Try to sit in both seats and try to see both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say this, and I said this a, a while ago on Facebook, it's never an issue until it becomes your issue. You know what I mean? You don't see, you know, how it's affecting people or your family until you, you're in the um, yeah. middle of the issue yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think it's good for us to sit in the seat that, um, of the opposite person on the opposite side of the aisle and say, man, let me see it from their point of view. I was talking to you earlier, talking to a friend here at this church who's an African-American um, person, and they have an opposite point of view in terms of party and all those kind of things and voting mm-hmm. for people. And it was just a great conversation for us to have sitting there yeah. as two African-American men. But we had this really good dialogue, and it was just balanced. And at the end of the day, we were just really, really happy that we had this conversation and we had these differing point of views yeah. but our families we're playing together, swimming together, and at the end of the night, we, we hugged it out, and we were cool. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it goes back to balance. All these things are so complex that we have to live a balanced life and have balanced conversations. Which is just, I mean, anybody who's had a conversation, it's pretty easy to tell. You can be on, even I have friends that are the opposite end of everything, I believe. <laughs> but yeah. when we talk, it's like we actually end the conversation with a deeper brotherhood and a deeper mm-hmm. sense of community. And it's through those conversations that that happens. And I think, man, we're living in a world right now where like, you just got to get off social media and not <laughs> look on it because <laughs> you are, you look at it and you're just like, oh, the world hates each other. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Still the same thing. You look at media and what it's telling you and it, it it's, you're forced be this. And if you are this, you hate this people or be this. And if you're this, you hate other people and you find in like what you said, just in that experience, like the interaction you have just totally melts all of that away. And it's not real. Like that's not true. I've, I've not actually found that in a human interaction with other people to be the case. You only see it as the narrative that's being driven to you. Yeah. But, um, let's go, let's go to some questions, but to say yeah. that that's why I want to make a plug for, you know, circles and small groups. Cause yeah. that's where you're going to get relationship. You're yeah. going to see yeah. it's not the church as an institution. Yeah. It's a church as my brother, my friend, my sister, yeah. Yeah. my cousin, you know, and, uh, and that's where, you know, yeah. you're going to find that health because mm-hmm. you're going to find people. Yeah. So I think it's good though, for people to know that it's okay to speak the truth yeah. in love. It's okay yeah. to say, Hey, this is what I build my life on. And I think one way to help people is say me, I, yeah, you know, I believe the Bible. I believe that God has given these things to help us and they're the best for us. It's to help us, not to hurt us. Here's what the scripture says on things that are clear. Um, and so I'm building my life on me. And I think for others, they're going to find the, the best life they can live, the most fulfilled life, mm-hmm. eternity, all of those things when they live their life on that, on that word. The problem is people are trying to change the Bible to fit the circumstance of their yeah their friends and culture. 
And so I, I've been surprised at how many people are so excited that we're basically telling people this last three weeks, believe the Bible, trust the Bible, and live your life by the Bible, and don't be afraid to declare that you live your life for the Bible, but do things with love and compassion. Man, that's resonating. Yeah. Because we're kind of in the culture is trying to tell us it's antiquated. It's not really, God didn't really know what he was doing. He didn't realize how transgenders would be here and, and the complexity of that. He didn't realize that, you know, culture would evolve and that we were going to have gay marriage. He, he didn't realize. Yeah. And so I think we can stand on God's truth. We can stand on that. And it's okay. It's okay to say, hey, this is where I stand. Yeah. So yeah. speak the truth. Yeah. Too many people just want to speak love, but yeah. Yeah. sometimes I, love is tough love too. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's, you know, living in the balance, you know, as we're talking, I'm just hearing living in that balance is so much tougher than retreating into either camp. You know yeah. what I mean? Whether it's, you know, for or against, you know, it's it's tougher just to live in that balance and say, no, I'm going to try to see all sides of the, it, this issue and I might get rocks thrown at me from either side, but I'm standing with God. You know what I mean? And because I love people that much, you know what I mean? I always used, used to talk to my wife about other friendships that I had. I used to say, you're worth it. You're worth the hard work. <laughs> you're worth the hours and hours of talking yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You're worth that. But man, a dude that's just like, you know, he's... He's just, you know, needy. He's not worth all that work. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm coming to realize that, man, people are just worth it. And if we're, as Christians, called to love people, they're worth that hard work. They're mm -hmm. worth those stones getting thrown at us. And they're worth us being the church and the culture. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we had another question turned in. This question was, why is heaven and hell not preached about very often anymore? And, you know, God is a God of, the idea here is that God is a God of grace, but he's also a God of justice. And, um, you know, why don't we hear more of that? Because, you know, we, but, so I, I want to take a moment and address it. I don't know, you guys can maybe give, give a moment yeah. to think about it. Um, I think I can't speak for everyone, so it's tough to speak on behalf of the the universal church. I want you to answer this about every preacher in the world right now. Um, I'll tell you Dude. for Rusty and for Marty here in town, because I know them. No, um, it's you really, it's tough to answer that question for someone else. But I think in general, you know, um, we live in a culture where we do want to kind of appease people. And we sometimes are afraid back to what we're talking about, speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. And so somehow saying that there's a heaven and a hell um, is, you know, somehow a, a situation where we're not loving people. But honestly, I think that, you know, here at Higher Vision, we have taught on that. Just mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I did a series on that, asked, answered questions and yeah. talked about heaven and mentioned that there's hell as well. Um, didn't make it the main point of the sermon, but I think just in general, um, people tend to be afraid of confrontation. You know, it's amazing beyond this, you could take it to the next step. A lot of churches don't give altar calls mm. um, at the end of their services. They say, hey, talk to someone in the back if you're interested. And so I've found that I want people to know there is a choice, that God has a plan for your life. That you, And so we as a church have made the decision we're going to you know, bring it up. However, I will say this. I don't talk about hell a lot um, because... I don't want people to follow Christ as 
because they're trying to get away from as an insurance card or something. And as a, yeah, yeah. As smoke insurance. Yeah. That's yeah. what a lot of times will happen. I want to talk more about the love of God and the power of God and the transforming work of God so yeah. that the motivation in their heart, and obviously it's them and the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts, but I think talking about those things are going to draw people to Christ more yeah. than you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Now, we don't de- need to deny, though, the reality of, of the consequence. And so here at Higher Vision, we talk about it. But I think, so, you know, I think people... It, at the heart, I mean, people that are serving Jesus and work, working in churches, they want to see people saved. Mm-hmm. So some of it might be afraid to talk about it and alienate. Mm-hmm. Some of it is they're doing like us. We're trying to focus on the the, the goodness of God. And, and what does yeah. the Bible say? The goodness of God leads us towards repentance. Yeah. So um, I think they're focusing on that. And then some may be just the culture. They're afraid to confront or they're afraid to speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I know here at Higher Vision, we want to do both. We want to give people the reality of consequence, but we want to talk about the goodness of God, yeah. which leads people to repentance. Yeah. Well, we definitely need to do this more. I love just the the thing I think that what I love about the church so much is that we can have these really complex conversations and we can talk. You said recently, like, we need to learn how to talk again. <laughs> like, just start there. And, uh, it really comes down to sitting around a table. It comes down to learning the other person's story and having a conversation. And, um, you know, just an encouragement to everybody out there that's listening. If you've made it this far, number one, champion to you because you're rock face. But number two, <laughs> um, man, just try to have those conversations with people, not to have an, a, a push a personal conviction or to push anything that's in your heart, but just to learn what the other person has to say and start there, you know, if we do that as a church, we'll see unity. And I think that's a unity that, you know, the Bible talks about is it doesn't mean uniformity to where we all have the same exact belief, but unity in that you and I can have a completely different belief. And this is actually harder to achieve, right? But you and I can have a completely different belief in all of these things, but we're centered on love and God's grace and God's truth. And in that we can find this commonality and that's where we start and that's where we have, but it only comes in a conversation. And that's Christ. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing you, you, know, you said at the beginning is that we, we have a lot of universalism out there too. It's like God, God is love, yeah. but Jesus Christ, he is the truth. He is yep. the way. Yeah. And so if we can center around Christ Jesus, I think everything will flow around that and yeah. we'll be more healthy. Well, thank you guys for listening to this. We're definitely going to do more. This is Absolutely. a great conversation. Uh, Pastor Jared, super thankful that you could spend some time and Absolutely. unpack this all for us. Um, we thought it'd be good to pray. Pastor Jared, would you mind praying for us as we yep. roll out? Absolutely. If you're joining us and you're listening while you're driving, don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> good, good disclaimer. But uh, everybody else, let's just take a moment and pray. God, thank you. Um, thank you for your presence. You, you said that you're an ever-present help in time of need. And if there were ever a time we needed you, it's right now. Our culture is shifting. Our culture is moving. As Christians, we're trying to figure out how do we navigate through that process. And I pray that even this podcast today will shine some light on how, as Christians, we can love. Um, love is the, is the main goal. It, it, it's the expression of our faith in you. Faith is expressed through love. And I pray that you teach us how to do that. Give us the wisdom to know when to say something and when not to say something. Give us the wisdom and the courage when to speak up. 
Lord, teach us to have a heart to serve and to be an example. So I pray, God, for the people that still are struggling. Lord, you're not the author of confusion. I pray that you would open up your truth by the power of the Spirit and show them the things they need. And so we bless everyone that's been listening. Lord, let us continue to have a great year. And uh, we thank you for every good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.